Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma Crew. Thanks for joining me on the 100th episode of Mind Your Own Karma. As of the date of this recording, Mind Your Own Karma has been listened to in 46 countries from all over the world. My mission when starting season two was to bring the adoption subject to the world and educate the world about adoption, and we are doing it. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And thank you for continuing to support me and this podcast. Now I'm going to jump right in and tell you a little bit about my guest today. Paige Adams Strickland is a teacher and writer from Cincinnati, Ohio. She is an adoptee in reunion from the Baby Scoop era who searched and found her biological family in the 1980s. Paige has written books and film and play reviews on her WordPress blog as a way to elevate the voices and talents of members of the adoption constellation. Her two memoirs about being adopted are Akin to the Truth and After the Truth. She has a work in progress with a working title of Born Adopted and Finding My Truth. Born Adopted is geared toward teen and young adult readers. She is married with two daughters, three grandchildren, and four spoiled, rotten cats. Here is my interview with Paige Strickland. We are welcoming Paige Strickland to the show today. Hi, Paige. Hi. I'm always super excited when someone reaches out to me and wants to tell their story and say, me too, I want to tell my story. So I just want to thank you for reaching out to me on Facebook. And Mm. it's just so important for us to tell our stories. Why do you want to tell your story? Um, I'm hoping it would be helpful to other people other adopted people, you never know about first parents, birth parents, you know, what they maybe would want to know about what an adopted person might be thinking. Um, Anybody really. I'm really hoping that, like you said, that we are not only educating and helping adoptees, but we're educating people who are looking to adopt and even birth parents. Right. And helping in their trauma and things like that too. And if it validates somebody's feelings that they've always questioned, are they normal? Or am I the only person that thinks like this? If it helps somebody to feel not so crazy after all. Yes. (laughs) Or or if we're all just the same crazy. Right. And it's funny because I didn't really know that until, you know, a year and a half ago when I really jumped into, you know, the Facebook groups and stuff and, oh, that's kind of fun. I'll join an adoptee group. And then I was just like, whoa, (laughs) you know, what is happening? Like I was just so blown away. I didn't really know a lot of adoptees growing up and we didn't talk about it. No, you know, so we were hiding out in the open. Like, yeah. I mean, as far as I was aware growing up, I was the only one in my world and circle of people and people my parents knew and anybody in my school and yeah, you just didn't talk about it. You didn't talk about it. No. Yeah. You don't talk about it because you'll get bullied. Somebody will find a way to make fun of you about it. So yeah. Or you'll get in trouble or something. Yeah. So tell us what the circumstances were with your adoption. What do you know? I pretty much know everything. Oh, this is Lily, by the way. Hi. So, <laughs> good for watching on YouTube. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was in foster care after birth, 
somewhere between when I left the hospital and before my parents got me, I was 13 months old when I was adopted. I was born premature, somewhere around seven months-ish, healthy, but underweight. So they had to keep me in the hospital for a time. And then I got sent to foster care. And then my parents, in the meantime, were starting to family plan, just thinking about what to do. They were healthy, but just things weren't happening for them. And so they decided to adopt and they, they knew somebody who'd adopted. And so that's, they decided they would do that too. And the people they knew moved out of town. So it's not somebody where, where we could hang out and go, Hey, I'm adopted too. So again, yeah. nobody around me that, so that's pretty much, they went to a foster care home. I was there among a bunch of other kids and they weren't really needing to adopt a newborn infant. So they were okay with like a one-year-old baby. You still look like a baby. Yeah. (laughs) So So you were in the hospital till you were seven months? I was in the hospital possibly one month. Okay. For long it would take a five pound or so-ish baby to gain a couple pounds. Not be considered premature by weight. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was four point something. And they don't have a weight. I don't have a weight. There's nothing on any of my birth certificates about weight or time of day, which I hate that. I really hate wow. that. It's like two little details I would like to know. Right. A lot of things about a lot of people because I learned everything I could. But those are two things that poof, I guess I'll never know. So oh my, gosh. Yeah, my parents were just verbally told that I was underweight and had come early. So... So why did it take so long for them to adopt you out? Do you know? Well, here's what I found out after I found the family was that we're just putting pieces together based on what we know. I don't know if it's a spoiler to say or not, but my birth mother was passed away. Mm. I couldn't go to a direct source for any information, but talking to her aunts, talking to, I had a sister that she's 18 months older than I am. And basically she couldn't be a single mom to two kids. She was making Mm. it with one. Yeah. Barely, but making it with one and she had health problems. So because of the health issues, still being single, my birth father just wasn't going to marry her. And there's a story behind that. He married someone else, Oh, but he was married. Oh No, he was a single guy, but he was seeing more than one woman. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And um, so she was left with no support. Yeah. Everybody was helping her out with the first kid. Mm-hmm. And then it happened again. And it was sorry about your luck. Yeah. You know, so um, I don't believe she was probably coerced the way a lot of birth mothers at that time were. She had some legit reasons why it wasn't going to work out for her. Mm-hmm. And even though I came early, she already had the adoption plan. It wasn't like after I was born and somebody said, now what are you going to do? Because she did not bring me home from the hospital and she had to have heart surgery after I was born. Mm. She had rheumatic fever as a kid that wasn't treated properly, you know, living in the hills and hollers of Virginia, no doctoring or not good doctoring, you know, things like that. So um, she had heart valve problems and had to have some surgery after I was born. So there was another reason she couldn't take care of me and an 18 month old and just, yeah, no backup. 
So is your sister the one that's older than you? Are you full sisters or half? We're halves. Okay. We're half. Okay. And uh, she found out about me um, because, you know, kids do these things. She just sort of had this feeling. And one day when nobody was home, she got into a lockbox in a closet and snooped. <laughs> and she was the only kid in the house at the time. She was raised as an only for a long time and got into this lockbox and found papers. Wow. And it was the adoption papers or hospital record or something that my birth mother had had copies of. Mm -hmm. And she was 10 years old. I was going to ask how old she was. Yeah. Wow. And she said when she confronted her mother about it, well, I was going to tell you, I was just waiting for the right time. and. I, okay, you know, is a 10-year-old the right time to tell? I don't know. I think it would really kind of depend on the kid. But she got told then when she was 10. Yeah. So she, my sister knew I existed. Yeah. Then. I feel like the younger you're told and you don't, because I, I don't remember being told I was adopted because I always knew. Yeah. So I always think that's better, yeah. you know, than waiting for a certain time when you think they're going to be able to comprehend it. Just tell them from the beginning. Right, right. Then it's kind of no big deal and you already know. Yeah. But, you know, didn't know what to do back then about that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so did you have siblings growing up? I did. In the adopted family? Yeah, I was raised with one brother. He is biological. Okay. They did manage to conceive. So he's six years younger than I am. Wow. But yeah. So how was that relationship? Did you feel different since he was biological? Yes, and I was old enough to know it mm. because I was six when he was born. Mm. So I knew where babies came from. Yeah. And so it's like, well, this doesn't add up. Now, I don't remember. I knew I was adopted. I don't remember when I was told exactly or having some moment of <gasps> or anything like that. But I knew, you know, when he was born, oh, this is how it was supposed to go. This was what was supposed to happen kind of thing. This is what happens to everybody else, but it didn't happen to me. Yeah. And so that was kind of disturbing. But, you know, when you're six, you don't know how to deal with that. And you don't know who to blame or if there's somebody to blame or anything like that. You just, you're six and it's like, it's not fair is what it feels like. Yeah. And being that he was a boy, I was a girl, we were six years apart. It took a long time before we had a lot of things in common. Yeah. Finally, around the time he hit junior high, we realized we liked the same music. <laughs> <laughs> At least there was that. <laughs> yeah. And some of the same TV shows, you know, but really before that he was into his speed racer and his dirt bike and his guy things. And yeah, yeah it was, we just <laughs> didn't have that much in common. You know, we didn't have the same teachers in school. I mean, we went through the same school district, but we just was big enough. We just didn't have all the same. Yeah. I feel like it's hard enough being the only kid for a while even in a biological family mm -hmm. and then having another kid come along and, you know, kind of take some of that of your attention away. But I think, you know, being an adoptee yeah. that just totally compounds yeah. it by 10, Yeah, not having the birth story and not having the biology right. and the mirroring yeah. and, oh, you look like yeah. them and I don't. And just so many things. Yeah. So many things. So it sounds like 
you guys kind of made a relationship as you got older. Do you still have a relationship with your brother? We kind of do. We still live in our own worlds and our own stuff. He doesn't get that I'm into all the the adoption stuff. He just doesn't understand. I don't expect him to understand because it didn't happen to him, you know, but we have different careers, different, again, music's about the only thing we can agree on. (laughs) And we're both kind of in a situation now, my, our mom that raised us, birthed him and raised both of us. She's 93. She fell and broke her leg Mm. back at Easter time. We're having to deal a lot closer than we've had to for years because we have to start making decisions on her behalf Mm. and care decisions because she can't live independently. So, you know, we're coming back around a little bit. Yeah. So he's still including you and not making you feel like you're the outsider. You're included in your mom's decisions and right. So you said you always knew you were adopted. How did they do that? I mean, my parents kind of always told me a story from when I was a baby, you know, so I, I knew, but do you know? I have no idea. I have no idea um, how they told me or if there was a story. We did not have that book that a lot of people had, that chosen baby book or whatever. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, they just said it and that was it and you know as I got a little bit older they'd add on a little bit you know whatever was Mm -hmm. age appropriate of course really the factual information they had was like next to zero regardless so there really wasn't anything age inappropriate to tell me they were even told by the agency and it was just Hamilton County Welfare this was not through Catholic Charities or any private Mm -hmm. place um they were told that my birth parents were married. Oh, wow. It's a total lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that would make it even more confusing. Then why'd they give you up if they were married? Yeah. It would married people. Yeah. And that he had a college degree. Why would married people yeah. do that? Right. Be in a situation where they had to do yeah, it that kind of didn't make sense. But I think maybe at the time, you know, given that it was 1962, you know, and it made me it made them I don't think they were lying to yeah. me because I said it so many times. I mean, it's oh, yeah. And agencies did falsify. You know, it didn't have to be religious ones that were doing it. You know, the, the idea. Oh, then I'm not illegitimate. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that maybe that was like a thing that encouraged adoption. You know, they thought, well, they aren't adopting a bastard child or something. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what they made up? Yeah. Why they make stuff up? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So growing up, did you consider yourself or did you see yourself as the compliant adoptee or the one that acted out? I think I swung between both ways, kind of depending on what the situation was. If I really thought something was unfair or not right, or I didn't understand it, I would act out and be mad about it. But, you know, then there were other things. Sure, fine. Okay. Or I don't care, whatever. You know, it, it just, I think it depended on the situation. But yeah, yeah, I know, you know if, if I felt like just something wasn't right or something wasn't fair, even if I couldn't articulate it. Or I couldn't do any better than go, that's no fair. (laughs) You know, which nobody's going to listen to a kid that does that. But still, you know, that's. Yeah. So it sounds like you're pretty balanced 
you were one or the other because you were an adoptee. Yeah, I wasn't a kid that got in trouble. I was terrified to get in trouble. Yeah, me too. So I was very (laughs) that way. Like, I am not going to smoke and I'm not going to drink before I'm 21 or 18. Well, it was 18 when I was growing up. I'm Mm. not going to speed. I'm not going (laughs) to. Yeah. Yeah. All the things. Yeah. So uh, many adoptees say they have trouble attaching in relationships. Did you ever notice any difficulties attaching growing up or even later in life? Growing up, I didn't know any other way, so I couldn't compare anyway. But I think I was more attached to my grandmothers than I was to my parents. I would say there is absolutely no trouble at all attaching to my grandmas. Mm. My grandfathers were already passed away. I never knew them. But my two grandmas, my mom's mom, my dad's mom, I was very attached to them. And they were pretty much substitute parents. Mm. And I think that was one of the other reasons why I didn't get into trouble was because I knew that would please them. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't it please really? But, you know, that that was to be compliant. It would be for their sake. Nothing else. Right. So what about, you know, in your teenage years or in relationship growing up? Did you see any problems there? Yeah. I mean, I had it took a lot to make friends and feel like I had a close friend like a bestie that took some doing. And I kind of address it a little bit in the books that, you know, as soon as you start making friends with somebody, then somebody's parents up and get transferred and they move away or Mm. something like that would happen or we'd make a life change, you know, so it was hard in that way, you know. What about romantic relationships? I think, and especially by the time I knew better and I was old enough. Yeah. But Growing up thinking she was 17. Now, again, who's married to a college degree guy and you're 17? <laughs> See, none of that adding up. Right. So, yeah. But he listening to this yeah. going, what, wait, what? Yeah. Thinking, okay, if this happens when you're 17, mm, guys, mm, that's scary business. Mm, 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 you know, it's, yeah, trying to trust a guy. It was trust. It's not like I didn't want yeah. to do things or hear about things, but. I can see that. It was like. It can't be me. Can't apply to me. Right. Yeah. So that yeah. was a very scary thing. I mean, I met my husband. We actually grew up in the same school system together, but we started dating in high school. And it's like, it's the only person I've ever trusted. Mm. So one marriage then yeah. for you? One marriage, one guy. We're still together. And so, yeah. And you have two kids, right? I have two daughters. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like having kids? I know some adoptees have trouble connecting with their babies because of adoption. Did you uh-huh. have any problems? You connected right away. I think I was the opposite. I was just like, yeah, hey, nobody taking you away from me. There and no way I'm losing you there. You are not going out of my sight. I don't know that I was a true helicopter, but I was, I was a mama bear. Protective. Yeah. And still can be, you know, I mean, yeah. I think somebody would do them wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm coming at you. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like seeing someone biological maybe for the first time? I'm not we haven't gotten into your reunion story yet, but what was that like seeing your child? It was just amazing. And I had seen my birth father. Okay. But yeah, and I looked at my first daughter when she was born and I could see him 
in her face, oh, wow. even in a newborn baby face. I could see it was something in the mouth and something in the upper lip here, and a little bit the skin coloring. It, it's just, I could see it. Yeah. I could see it in her. I knew where it came from. And that was so, so cool. Yeah. That was my other daughter. She came out looking like my husband's people. So, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't my birth people, right. you know, and I could see myself. And that was the other thing too, because we all have the same eyes and I see that now I've got three grandkids and all three grandkids. I can see things both in myself yeah, and my husband and my son-in-laws too, but I can see things in my birth family and them. Mm, wow. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. So did you ever think about your biological family when you were growing up? More than I admitted to at the time. Growing up, I decided I'm not going to be adopted. I'm going to forget about this whole thing. If we don't discuss it, this is going to be a secret. I'm not sharing it with anybody except the guy I end up marrying. and. I'm just going to unadopt myself. <laughs> Not going to happen and lied through my teeth to just about everybody really? about it. And yeah. And I, I looked enough like the family I was raised in that I could fake it. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Just never said anything to anybody. You know, you get in these discussions with people about family history or traits or whatever. I could just sort of BS along. Yeah. You know? Right. And that's the way I did it. So, yes, I thought about them. I'd have moments popping up here and there, but then I'd just sort of like like shoving stuff down in a box <laughs> and putting that on there and then putting a padlock on right. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell us about the search. Did you do DNA? It was probably too early to do DNA. I was old school. It was back in the 80s. Okay. So, in Ohio, so back it up a little bit. In Ohio, Ohio's records are basically open now, unless there's a letter of rescission in your file. But in the time I was born, if you were born before 1964, which I fell into that category, my record was open. Oh, did not know that growing up. Wow. My parents, I think, and this is one of those where people's, you you hear what you want to hear, you think what you want to think. Hmm. If somebody doesn't tell you otherwise, you make the assumption. Right. I don't believe they lied at all. I believe they were just uneducated about the law. Yeah. They, they didn't want to know, you know, and they believed if it was a closed adoption, that meant closed forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not closed, but, or closed until. Yeah. They didn't think about that part. Right. So all they ever said was it was a closed adoption. So I grew up believing that it was impossible to find them anyway. There's another reason to kind of unadopt and just forget about everything and right. pretend it happened. Yeah. Because if it's impossible, you know, I can either frustrate myself and be really pissed and be that angry adoptee person or just we ain't dealing with it. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. Yeah. So how'd you find them? We were watching a TV talk show one night and it was about adoption. It was a local talk show. Nobody, anybody here would ever have heard of mm-hmm. people here in Cincinnati. And um, they had a panel and it was all done very civilly. So it wasn't like watching Maury or any of those guys. Yeah. yeah they weren't screaming right. and, and crying. And you know, right. it was sort of a point counterpoint with the pros and cons of finding people and so forth. And that's where they disclosed that if, you already don't know about this. House Bill 84 in Ohio 
says your records are open if you were born before January 1st, 1964. Wow. Husband and I looked at each other and went, what? That's not what my parents were told. And so that kind of was the trigger spark that got the ball rolling. So it was 1987 at the time. And we didn't have kids yet. And I took down all the information. Oh, the uh, birth mother who was on there was a member of Cub Concerned United Birth Parents. And I didn't know they had a local chapter here in town at the time. Oh, wow. And it was open to everybody. It was not just for birth parents because there was nothing for adopted people at the time. Right. Oh, but yeah. they were like, they were saying on this talk show, you know, anybody in at the time, the triad, now the constellation, but you know, anybody could go. So I decided I'm going to go to the meetings, check it out. You walk into these meetings with people and you're looking around like, could you be my cousin? Could you be? Right. Yeah. You know, you just, that's how it is. And um, met two friends there. One, we're, we're, we're all friends to this day. Wow. And so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And first time I'd really been in a room with a bunch of other adopted people and an adoptive parent besides my own parents and with birth parents. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it really got me thinking. It really educated me. Yeah. And it was the best thing to do before taking any other steps. Right. So they told me, though, OK, here's how you do it. You write to Columbus or your state capital, send them the $20 certified check because they're right to their money. And, you know, they send you a packet back, whatever's in your file. It might be a Xerox copy. It might not be the actual documents because they still have to keep a file. Right. Yeah. I've, I've often thought, gee, I should do it again and see if they send me the exact same papers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I may do that. Some, Wouldn't that be something? Just blow 20 bucks. and Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So do they keep moving the date now or is it still 1964? It's yeah. In 2015, I believe they opened it to everybody. Oh, okay. I went to the opening of that. It was very cool. Very historical. Very, Yeah. it was nice just to go as a support person for other people. Right. Cause I'd already found my people. And by that point I was getting involved with people online with adoption. And that's mm-hmm. how I found out about that. Yeah. Oh, Columbus. Well, that's only 90 minutes from here. So, so I get my paperwork back. That was in April. We had watched that show maybe in March, got the paperwork back. That's fast. Wow. Yeah. And then I teach and I was that point in the school year. It was like, I can't do anything about this till summer. Anyway, I don't have the time, Right. but we'll get the papers and see what the papers just say. I've always kind of equated it to like, when you open up a bag of chips, and you think you're going to eat one, <laughs> the Pringle chips, right? Uh-huh. You just eat a couple out of there and you think you're going to be good. And then now you got to go back and get some more and <laughs> eat those. And then now you want to eat more. And so you go back again. And that's kind of what it was like. It was like this addiction building up. All of a sudden, the more I knew, the more I wanted to know. Right. Wasn't more of a, oh, I hate adoption. I'm going to make adoption go away. That's never going to be a part of my life. But then all of a sudden it was like, now I have some power yeah. that I didn't have. So you got names and, and I got names. Yeah. So my birth mother's name, of course, was on there and what her profession was at the time. She was a waitress at the time and um, where she was living at the time here in town. 
all about 20 minutes away from where we live. Wow. And um, I got lucky. I got extremely lucky and it's extremely rare. My birth father's name was on there also. Mm. And usually that never happens. Wow. Because either it's sort of like a one night stand thing or they don't even know who the guy is or it was a bad situation and they didn't want to name a name or something. But she had my birth father's name on there Hmm. and she knew his occupation. So it's like this was not a stranger. Yeah. She knew to put on there that, yeah, it wasn't like something was unknown. Right. She knew what, how to fill out or provide the information to whoever filled it out. Um, and everything was correct on there. So how, what was that like seeing something different than what you were told? Right. And the other thing that was on there was my birth name, what I would have been named had she been able to keep me or even had he kept me. Yeah. So that was really revealing to me. That w- that was like, yeah, how does that feel? Because I I grew up hating my name because it was oh. a name kids would make fun of you for. It just people tease you, people spell it wrong, people act stupid about your name, and I just it made me hate my name. And I, that's one thing I did know growing up was that my parents that raised me picked my name. So somehow, what did anybody call me before my parents who raised me? Was I just hey you in the crib or what? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I wonder that too. So, yeah, I, I was when I got old enough to start processing enough to wonder, gee, did I have a different name before? What would it have been if I did? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I was wondering so, if the foster parents named me something totally different, you know, and called me something totally different. Yeah. I have no idea about any of the foster part is a total blank. Yeah. 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 I saw that. It was just mind blowing. But it was kind of good that I didn't jump into it immediately to okay. searching because it was so much to take in just mm-hmm. on this piece of paper. And there was a decree of adoption with my dad who raised me signature on it, you know, and the judge stamp of, you know, of approval on it. There was a name change document that changed my name from what it would have been to what it became. Yeah. And then the original birth certificate copy and a current functional, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. legal, legalized yeah. birth certificate copy. Like they obviously got the right person there, didn't have the numbers mixed up or anything like that. So that was just like, yeah. And so when school let out, I pretty much hit the pavement and just went downtown because everybody, everything on my paperwork was totally local to here in Cincinnati. That's where I start. So go down to downtown, go to the courthouse, go to the public library, main branch, back and forth between the two. And I spent June and July just nobody tracked steps then, but I can only imagine. (laughs) 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 Walk from one end, then back to the other end and back here, then back here. And that's what I did. So did you find out from just doing that, that your mother had passed through? Not yet. Public records? Okay. I went through old, um, between any public records that I could find. And then they used to have these things called Williams crisscross directories that would list a person's name, a current address, a profession, or at least field that a person worked in, if not the specific business. Kind of built a timeline for each parent to track 
where they had been and where they were going and just and she dropped off the timeline around 1969 1970 and I couldn't find anything more about her I was able to find out that she married but a different guy mm-hmm. and it was my sister's dad oh. and he married a different lady and all of a sudden she dropped off the timeline. So I kept continuing with him and I'd periodically check and go, well, you know, maybe they just for some reason, they just weren't listed one year. So I keep checking her husband reappeared in the directories later on, but not with her. So that made me think, but it's funny growing up to that was another way I was shutting out adoption going, well, she's probably dead anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just kind of had that knowing maybe. Well, there's no point in dealing with this because she's probably dead. Wow. So, you know, yeah. And I had that hunch all along, Hmm. but I I couldn't find a death certificate. Wow. So you should be able to find those too. Yeah. Was not able to locate one. And my parents that raised me uh, were actually married over in Northern Kentucky on the other side of the river. So I, I even went up across the river to Kent County and went through their courthouse and their library looking for things, could not find anything on my birth family. So it's like, well, nothing happened there. They were all in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I even Claremont County, which is one county over to the east of Hamilton, where I live, nothing over there. So they must have just stayed right there in town, but I couldn't find anything on her. But I found her the the guy right so I wrote a letter to him her husband or her yeah uh-huh. it, the, the address was there there was no phone number but the address was there and I had an address on my birth father too I actually had done a drive-by at his house <laughs> so I'd seen his car and knew that he worked for General Motors because that's what the directory said and I also found out on the news that same summer, General Motors here in town was closing down. Oh, wow. So he was losing the job. Yeah. Not the time to contact this guy because he's losing his job. Mm. And I knew he was at an age he could have taken early retirement, but maybe he would do that and call it a day. Or maybe it'd be a, I can't afford to early retire. I got to keep working now. Or maybe I'm going to move and then you'd lose the address, you know? Right, right. But I thought I cannot contact him here in the middle of July because he's losing his job. Mm. And that's devastating. That's another kind of loss after 20 years working somewhere to have that happen to you. That's that's a loss. Another kind of grief. Yeah. So um, because obviously he worked in the same place for so long. He was dedicated and he stuck with things. Right. Mm. He was in the same home address all that time not a guy who does a bunch of changes. Right. <laughs> Tell that about him. So, okay, let's leave him alone for a little while. I had the other guy's address and who my would-be stepfather, mm-hmm. right? Had things work differently and wrote to him just saying, and the cub people said at the meeting, just tell them you're trying to find some family history information, or you have urgent family business with so-and-so and see what, what the guy tells you. So he wrote me back, even though I left a phone number, he wrote me back, but okay. And he said, she'd passed away in Long Beach, California in 1976. Oh, wow. 
though my gut was right mm. and it explained why I couldn't find anything about her because she left. Yeah. In fact, he'd left too, but he came back. He moved back. They had found out the story later from my sister. They had divorced here in town, but were kind of together. And they all decided she and my sister and her dad and the dad's brother and his wife and kids, they all decided to pack up all their belongings, leave town here and go to California, start life over, mm. reboot your life. So was your sister in California? She had moved up to Portland, Oregon by that. Oh, okay. But she lived there for a while. She went to high school there. So the letter that he wrote you, was it, he said, was he gentle about telling you or was he? Yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, and some of it, you know, it's, it's just, did he know about you? He did. He did. Oh, okay. But I didn't tell him who I was just that I was doing family research. Oh, that's right. Trying mm -hmm. to find my birth mother. Well, I didn't say I'm finding my birth yeah. mother. I'm finding this person. Right. And so he said, she died in Long Beach, California. He said, sorry, signed his name and put his phone number on there. Mm. then I called him figuring okay. he isn't going to put his phone number on there if he doesn't mind so I talked to the the new wife picked up the phone and then she passed it on to him he knew all about me she had told him he invited me and my husband to come over and he had some picture albums so that Saturday we went over there wow. yeah he gave me a picture and did not know where to find his daughter. I don't know who loses track of your kid, but what? didn't know where she was. He didn't know if she was still in California or she'd gone somewhere else. But that's the last time he'd seen her. That's where she was down in Long Beach, California. Wow. Oh, so I had her maiden name. And then he told me that after they'd gotten to California and remember they were divorced. So she went off and met another guy and got married and had a baby that oh. there was a, another sister out there. And he knew the name of the next husband, who was the father of my other sister, my younger sister. So he didn't have an address. He didn't have a phone number. The guy was real foggy on memory, yeah. but he knew just enough to tell me just enough. And it meant I had to go back to hit directory assistance. This was back in the day where if you made calls to directory assistance over a certain number of calls within a month, they started billing you. Yep. <laughs> so, and we're talking 1987's money. I ran up a $300 phone bill. Oh my God. Which I don't know what that would have been today's money, but you know, that's what it was. Probably at least a thousand. At yeah. Least. I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Weird. It's still less than a detective, you know? Right. I wrote to the state of California, got my birth mother's death certificate from them, which had a home address on it, had her spouse at the time listed as the informant. And so I had a little bit more information on her, knew where to write to, hoping the guy hadn't moved. Yeah. And he hadn't. He was there. Oh, wow. So that letter came. And what he did then when he got that letter, my older sister, he, he knew where she was and how to contact her. He called my older sister who was living in the Portland, Oregon area and told her he got this letter. What do you want me to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly who that is. And so he gave her all the contact information that I'd provided in the letter. And then one night in January of 1988, she called me. 
Wow. And so, so we, you got you got both sisters at the same time then. Pretty much. Yeah. Did they let you see your 13 year old sister? Or? We did that following summer. Again, once I was off work and could travel, we thought to it was sort of a bucket list living here. Never been past Chicago. Mm. Let's let's take this really cool trip. This is like better than a honeymoon. This, <laughs> let's do this. You know, and I flew out a week ahead of time. So I had about a week with my older sister in Portland. We sight saw, we hung out at the house and just did house normal people every day, not yeah. things, you know, got pizza, you know, that just, you know, hung out with her kids and stuff like that. So just had real lifetime, which was great. And then my husband came out on like a Friday or something because he didn't have all that time off work like I had. Yeah. And then a few more days together went picnicking and just hanging out again. And then we got on a plane, went to San Francisco for two nights just to hang out and just like, when are we going to get back here? Right. Yeah. yeah. Just sightsee, just be tourists. Right. So we then we rented a car in San Francisco and drove down the California coastline on highway one. Like, Ooh. Ooh, this is like something out of the movies. Right? <laughs> you can see this on TV. Nice. It's like, it's real. Wow. You know, I mean, it was like, from compared to being here, it was like being on another planet. I mean, oh, was, yeah. neither of us had seen that part of the country or the world before. Yeah. And we drove all the way down into LA and then got a, had a motel lined up in like South LA, then saw the other sister for the next like six days that we were still there. So how did the reunions go with your sisters then? Everything was beautiful. Just absolutely amazing. I mean, it was, and it was very helpful that they knew about me all along. Yeah. So it wasn't like some secret barging in on their lives. They were kind of prepared for and hoping for someday, mm. but being that they were in a position of being many thousands of miles away and not really knowing what to do or how to do it and not nobody having the means to hire detectives, they didn't know how to find me. Yeah. Did you have any resemblances to them or? Do you guys look alike at all or? My younger sister and I look a lot alike. Really? It's amazing. In fact, I've seen some pictures ever on Facebook this morning <laughs> looking at them. And I, I still kind of go, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't get old. So you must, re <laughs> must resemble your mom a little bit then. Well, people say I do. I don't know. I can't tell. And all the photos we have are either they're a little bit blurry or they're just aged and you or black and white. And from so long ago, I can't tell. But yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know, did you see any physical resemblances or like, um, you know, how you your personality or how you move physically or anything like that? Weird little quirky things that you saw again my younger sister and I a lot um yeah I've got some pictures of us when we first met we were both in khaki shorts and tan shirts which that wasn't planned <laughs> and we're sitting there on the couch looking at each other but we're kind of like sitting a little like this like don't get too close here yeah but yeah you know and you know because again I'm 20 something she's the age of the kids I teach you know, so it's like, how do I approach this? You know, I'm not right. a teacher. I'm her sister. I've never, you know, I'm going through, I've never yeah. had sisters before, you know. Right. Um, How'd it go with your dad's side? Did you meet your dad? I did. I did. In between all these things that went on. So back it up to that July where his business, his work closed down and he lost his job. 
Mm. I waited until about September and then I sent him a letter. Again, he lived in town, but I didn't have a phone number because it was unlisted. So I sent him a letter, sent him copies of my papers. And so he would know I wasn't like some con artist. Person, right. And just said, you know, here I am. And uh, here's where I live. And here's what I do for a living and hope you're well. And I'd love to hear from you. And, and I, I think I did say in the letter, and by the way, you know, I tried to contact my birth mother, but she's passed away Hmm. because sometimes it's like, if the one's partner isn't there, then the other partner feels freer maybe, or less. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get involved with that person again. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you don't have to deal with an ex here. Right. So I wanted him to know those things that it's safe to approach me because you're not going to have to deal with an ex-girlfriend or anything like that Yeah, without saying it in those exact words. Right. He did. It took him a week and then he contacted me back and we got together in October, um, got together for dinner at a Denny's restaurant. Then my husband went with me and I could see the resemblance with him mm. a lot more than I expected. But of course he's sitting there going, you look just like her, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I looked like you, but okay. (laughs) Everybody sees different things. He saw what he was seeing. I saw what I was seeing. And and that's kind of that. And he said at the time, his family knew nothing about me. He hadn't told anybody. So okay. I was kind of prepared. Was he still married to the, the lady that he was married to the, yeah, they were in fact, they were married 52 years. Okay. They picked the wrong wife. I mean, he said he said that. I'm thinking that he did oh. marry the right person for him. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and he said something that night about I knew it wouldn't have worked out. And when you get married, you marry not just the person but the whole family, which is mm. not like great advice, really. Yeah, like yeah. first piece of dad advice. Although you know, I already <laughs> knew those things, but yeah. Is he still around? He passed away in 2015. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a long time. Anyway, he said, we'll get together again. We agreed to meet like a week, week and a half later. We were going to go to another restaurant and we got to the restaurant. My husband and I got to the restaurant and waited and waited and waited and didn't know if we should order food or not because he wasn't coming. And oh, wow. then he called the restaurant and said, you know, and this was before cell phones, so, so he couldn't message us. He called the restaurant and they brought me to the phone and he said one of his kids had been in a car accident. It wasn't serious, mm-hmm. but he had to go pick his kid up and sorry, couldn't come. And he said, I'll call you back. I'll call you later. And the ball got dropped because I felt like I shouldn't really pester him. I didn't know how true, you know, that's a stupid right. to lie about, but still... Right. You know, yeah. I knew that if they didn't know about me, that that's a risk. Right. I thought he'll call, he'll call. And, you know, and just time went by and he never called. And wow. I want to intrude. I figured it just wasn't right to intrude. He's got all mm. the information. We're listed in the phone book. We are the most findable people in the world. And especially now with social media. But, you know, we, I've yeah. always kind of made myself findable for that reason, because mm-hmm. you just never know who might turn up. <laughs> so did you guys never, never meet? Or? We did. We did. Oh, you did. In 2002, 
I'd taken my mother and my daughters and we went to see the Mama Mia play downtown. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've seen it or seen the movie, but I haven't. It's a birth father story. Oh. Who knew? Right? Wow. In there thinking it's just gonna be a bunch of fun ABBA music and we're all gonna yeah. be going in <laughs> dancing queen, you know, and yeah. everything. And we I don't think the movie had come out yet, just the play was going around. So, you know. We just went to that. It was Mother's Day weekend and it was the Mother's Day present. And so we made a girl's night, went out to dinner, went to play. I'm sitting there in the play going, oh my God, it's birth father story. The bride is getting married and she's not sure which of three guys is her biological father. Oh my gosh. Right. With Wow. Her. And that's, yeah, that's sort of the premise. And then you find out, but I won't spoil that. But yeah, now I have to watch it. <laughs> So I come home that night and there's a message on the answering machine wow. and the last name. And it's his daughter who I knew about because I had researched and found public records. He had four kids. So I knew I had four more siblings on that side of the oh, wow. But I couldn't approach them being a secret. I just felt that wasn't the right way to do it. People will do that, especially today. Uh, you see them on social media. It's so it's so tempting, you know, you see pictures yeah. and things like that. But I felt like I couldn't approach them because that would ruin everything. It would just ruin all my chances, you know, yeah, scare people off. And it was probably the right thing to do, although it was a hell of a wait. <laughs> yeah. I bet. So how many years had gone by at that point? So, yeah, like what, 15 years or something had oh, gone by? I'll call you and then 15 minutes. Yeah. And we had always speculated, well, we'll get a phone call when he dies. Because yeah. he kept the papers I sent or something, stuffed him in a sock drawer or whatever. You know, somebody will find him when they have to clean out his stuff. Well, what'd well, she call for? He came clean. <gasps> she what? had she and her husband had gone to a family funeral on her husband's side of the family. They left their son with my birth father and his wife, the grandparents, to be babysat while they went to this thing. They come back. She was like, mom and dad, you're not going to guess what happened. This is the craziest funeral I've ever been to. This cousin came out of the woodwork and nobody knows who he is. And he's claiming he's related. And people were just freaking out. And that's when apparently over time he had told his wife, but he told his wife, don't tell the kids. Yeah. So she then knew about me, but she turned to him and kind of went, <laughs> you, I've kept your secret long enough. You need to fess up. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then he did. Oh, wow. So, how did the sister feel about him not saying anything all that time? She was like, well, that sucks, but you know, we got now. And okay. that's, that's what you have to, that's the way you have to look at it. Right. You know, you can't get back that lost time. Yeah. It's no fault after a certain point in time. You can't blame anybody. It just is what it is. But, you know, we got now and it's not like we're 80 years old and can't do anything. Yeah. So, you know, let's just live life going forward. So she had no problem at all. And she was like, hey, dad, didn't know you were so cool back in the day. Everybody's (laughs) doing it, you know. (laughs) know, Teen mom was on television and all these things, you know. So it was more normalized and more accepted. And my siblings thought nothing of it. It was just like everybody knows somebody from school that had a baby or everybody knows somebody now, but not back in the fifties and 
early sixties, that was still like a sin. Yeah. So did you meet all your siblings then? Do you have a relationship with them? Again, we waited till school was out because it was May and Mother's Day. My kid was in a soccer tournament and we had, we had all this stuff going on and it was just like, we can't get together and do anything without high distractibility. We can't have conversations yet. We're just, we got to get to the end of the school year. And then once all that settles down, yeah, at first week out of school, man, yeah, let's do this. So we did. I went over to their house and again, 20 minutes from my house. That's all. Wow. And we'd grown up in the same town, doing the same things in a lot of the same places. Dang. All this time. It's crazy. Like, you know, you could talk about where a certain restaurant was or where the mall was, and we all knew what we were talking about. So that was kind of cool. Did you ever growing up because you're adopted? Because I always thought, what if I'm related to this person that I'm dating? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's totally, that yeah. could have happened I, to you. <laughs> I think that, yeah, it literally could have, you know. Um, I think that was one of the things that, that scared me off of guys some because, yeah, yeah what I'm related, you know, what are the odds? Cincinnati's not small and it's even bigger than it ever was. But if you live in the same places and you do the same things and you go to the same places all the time and. Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, it, it, right. it's possible. You know, it could have been summer camp. <laughs> yeah, it could, could have been <laughs> one girl from their neighborhood who went to the same summer camp as me. And that was the, as close as it yeah. got in that way. But yeah, one of the first things my birth father said that first night when we met at the Denny's was he looked at me and said, I've seen you somewhere before. Wow. And I said, well, it could have been a restaurant. It could have been King's Island. It could have been a movie theater. It could have been a mall. It could have been yeah. anywhere, right? anywhere, grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or he was seeing resemblance, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. So you've written a couple books. You want to mm-hmm. tell us about those? And then you have one in the works too, so. Yeah, okay. The, the first one I wrote was Akin to the Truth. And I have to credit my husband with the title. He thought that up. That's cool. That's... Um, and everything. So yeah, so this is about growing up adopted and what that felt like. It's kind of like being the only adopted kid in the world, as far as I know. Yeah. You know, right. um, and what it was like at the time growing up in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And um, I have to kind of semi credit my mom. She took the photo and then we took it to a cover designer and they, of course, enhanced it. And they actually reversed it and flipped it this way just because it worked better. And yeah, but that's where that came from. And so, yeah, this one's about growing up adopted and into adulthood, it kind of cuts off with a small cliffhanger, but kind of had to call time and end the the story at some point, you know, I'm not writing war and peace or anything like that. (laughs) Uh, And then um, this is the sequel to it after the truth. And it explains more about adult life as an adopted person, how it affects my job, how it's affected home life, parenting, my kids, the reunion what life in reunion is like, what even friendships, you know, how, how it's affected everything. People have told people have not told. Now I tell those are the two books, the two siblings here. And then my work in progress, which at this point, the working title is born adopted and finding my truth. It's a more reader friendly, young adult friendly book aimed more at like say 12 year olds on up that 
they just aren't going to be up for reading, you know, big, long prose that looks like that. Yeah. They're going to read something a little lighter, but Bill gets the message out. And I'm a big believer in, we, we do a lot of talking amongst ourselves and educating ourselves, which we need to keep doing because just when you think, you know, everything, there's something new to learn because there is, that's the way it is, the way there is every subject and, but adoption's part of that. And it's a real challenge and very frustrating to try to educate, say the generation ahead of us, whoever's left and even people just slightly older than we are that still grew up with different values or just have a different thinking about the narratives of things and educating the kids, bringing them into the situation. And it's a little different today because adoptions are more open. It's more normalized or mainstream than it used to be. Yeah. There's many blended families and so many kids that they don't live with the mom and the dad. They live with grandparents or they it's kinship. They've, I had a kid for a while that he was adopted by his grandparents because the mom couldn't take care of her kid, and but he was not estranged from his mother. Yeah, or, and they actually stayed together. And you know now everybody's adults, and it doesn't matter anymore. But yeah, things like that that go on that used to never go on at all. This is where it's come from, and here's where we are now. So that's why I thought, okay, yeah, just I'm in education. Let's educate. Great, I love it. And you also have a blog too. So tell us how we find you and all your books and stuff. We'll have the links in the show notes. Yeah. But I have a WordPress blog. It's called Akin to the Truth. And I do a lot of book play movie reviews that are adoption themed. Oh, cool. That are there. Um, currently, yeah. I'm reading one that is, in theory, not about adoption, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the missing relative to turn up. <laughs> they always do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really enjoyed the conversation today, Paige. Yeah. Um, thanks for just being open and telling your story and helping educate the world about adoption. Sure. And we'll have all your links in the show notes, how to find you and the links to your books and Wonderful. all those okay. things. So thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Melissa. It just amazes me how each adoptee story is different, but in every story I can find similarities as well. And I have to say on this 100th episode of Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles, how honored I feel for every person that has come on this podcast and told their story. I am just so honored to hear their stories, to be the one interviewing them, and being the one to bring their story to the world, to help educate and validate other adoptees and others in the constellation. So if you are one of those that have been brave enough to come on and tell your story on this podcast, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I consider each and every one of you a friend. I have poured my heart and soul and countless hours into making this podcast a reality. But if I have helped one adoptee not feel so alone. It was all worth it. And if this podcast has touched you in any way, I would ask that you go on your listening platform and rate and review the podcast. That could be your gift to me and this podcast on our 100th episode celebration. 
It's free. It takes one minute of your time and it really does help get the word out about this podcast. Thanks for listening today. And as always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And cheers to 100 episodes. Oh, yes. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time.